Welcome to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us today. In this episode, Pastor Andy Chiz continues his message series on hearing God. This week's message is called, His Voice Gives You Hope. I'm thrilled that you're here today. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming out. Um, this is going to be a great day. Everybody agree with me? It's going to be a great day. Um, I, I do want you to know for you regular attenders, we have about 70, 80, 90 people over here in this third bank, fourth bank, whatever bank of seats it is. Um, and they're here because of a dear, dear friend of theirs who died this past month, this month here on the 8th, I think it was, no, the 4th of March. And uh, so would you just give them a round of applause one more time? They ended up coming here. Coming here to check out Word of Life as a result of, of uh, Kathy Napa and, uh, and John as well. And again, guys, I'm really glad that you're here with us today. It means, it means a lot to all of us. Uh, I want to make a real quick announcement um, because this is a little bit out of the ordinary. Five years ago, I had open heart surgery. And when I had the day I had the, no, the day after I had the surgery, um, we had a guest speaker, husband and wife team, uh, Harry and Cheryl Salem. Um, and Cheryl is a former Miss USA, Mrs., Miss America, Miss Miss. America. And, um, and uh, they were there to speak. And of course, because I was in the hospital, I wasn't able to see them. So I, uh, and it's been five years since all of that has taken place. And they're going to be with us again on September 16th, the third Sunday of September. Harry and Cheryl Salem are going to be here. They're going to pretty much do the whole service. They have an amazing, amazing story. Incredible. They have been a great help to Marianne and I. They've been a great help to many other people at Word of Life who have suffered loss, in particular, loss of a child or a spouse or however it may be. These, these this couple is incredible, and uh, they have a great ministry. So I just want to let you know about that so that you can maybe put it in your calendar. It would be the third Sunday of the month, which is the 16th, the 16th of September. Can you believe we're saying September already? Isn't it nuts? Here we are, September. Almost, almost. We're not quite there yet. Okay, go ahead and grab your tablets, your smartphones, whatever you think you're going to need to uh, go along with where we're going today with this message. Really excited about this today. It's going to be... A good one. We're going to conclude. This is week five of a five-week series that we've been dealing with entitled Hearing God. Five weeks. This is week number five, a series on hearing God, that hearing God. Um, and today's message is entitled His Voice Gives Hope. Jesus says something multiple, in multiple places in the Bible. It just blows my mind with what he says. Jesus says that there is this supernatural interaction between us and God between humankind and the divine, that God actually would speak to us. And almost always, it's inaudible. In other words, it's impossible to hear through the ear gate that we have. Yes, it is literally God. It is God who drops a thought or registers a thought, an idea in the mind or the heart of someone who loves him. The go-to scripture that we've been using through this series, throughout the series, is found in John chapter 10. I'm going to get to that in just a moment, but Jesus gives us, he gives us a few verses in the Bible explaining uh, all of this, how God speaks to us, and, and he, he even talks about the fact where he uses a metaphor. A metaphor would be a picture, and he would use a metaphor to show us and help us to understand that even Jesus himself, describing himself, Jesus is like a shepherd, and we are to be like his sheep is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying it that way, that he is the shepherd. So in John chapter 10, um, verse 27, it says these words. It says, um, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
Jesus says. He says, my sheep know my voice. Yes, God does talk to us. My sheep know my voice, Jesus says, and I know them and they follow me. And when God speaks, when God whispers to you that thought, that idea that would settle deep inside of you, it is, it is just incredible to, to imagine that. And then when God speaks to you and, and tells you that he wants you to do this or to go there or to be a part of whatever it may be, when you hear God tell you to do that, when you hear God speaking to you and you follow through on your end, it is incredible what happens to you. You and I get to a place in our walk with God where we've never been before. I'm telling you, when you hear God speak to you, it changes everything. It changes everything of your life, everything of my life, when God whispers and when he speaks to us. You'll never be the same again, and you will never forget when God spoke to you. What I want to do is share with you a, a quick story of, of, uh, that I used a couple of weeks ago, and I'm only using it right now because it's the shortest story of me hearing God tell me to do something out of all the, the, that I have, and also I want our guests, especially those our guests who are here today, any of you who have been here for the very first time, I want you to just hear this story real quick. Um, it, this is back a few years ago, I had a, a person that was speaking in our church, and I took him to the airport. I took him to the airport to get on a plane. It was a Friday, actually. And uh, I remember that. And as soon as the guy got out of the car and I put it in drive to go, I heard God speak to me. <laughs> I heard God say to me, take the throughway home. Take the throughway home. I don't know why God would tell me to take the throughway. But I knew it was God and I said, okay. So normally what I do is that I get on 81 uh, North to 481 and come into Baldensville that way. But this time I decided I would go uh, the throughway. So I'd get 81 South and jump on the throughway and get home that way. And uh, so when I do that, I, I'm maybe about a mile down the road that I've been driving now. And all of a sudden I look ahead of me and there's a car off to the far right up against. It's on the bridge. It's near the... Near the um, near the mall that's over there. I forget the name of the, law, the mall. You may remember it. But anyhow, um, I, I see two ladies standing at the back of the car. And uh, I pull up behind them. I have no idea who they are. I have no idea what's going on. And I get out of the car. Traffic is flying by. This is on Route 81. And, and, uh, and uh, I, I walk up to the car. And these two ladies, I see that they were holding hands, looking at each other. And I didn't know what was going on. And I get out of the car. And uh, one lady turns to me and says, Sir, I assume you're a Christian man. And I'm wanting to make her feel comfortable. And I said, well, yes, in fact, I'm also a pastor of a local church here in Baldensville, New York. And she said to me, uh, th this particular lady said to me, uh, well, we, I am a speaker to this other woman's, I am a speaker to this other woman's church for a women's retreat. As we left the airport, uh, we had a flat tire and neither of us know how to change a tire. So we got to the back of the car and we prayed that someone would stop and help us with our back tire. A Christian man would stop and help us with the back tire. And, uh, and guess what I got to do? I got to be an answer to somebody's prayer is what I got to, got to do. And it was, it was really, really cool that God gave me that opportunity. Listen, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, it matters not. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, God still speaks today. His voice, his guidance, it wasn't only for the prophets, wasn't only for the saints or, or in the old Bible days. No, it's for those who choose to follow God. Those who choose to follow God and begin to believe in God as never before. And yes, even those who follow today, who follow Jesus today on this August 22nd, 2018 day, God still speaks. And when God speaks to us, it literally changes our life. 
It really does something for every one of us that will change our life in a very personal and private way. Today's message uh, is entitled, His Voice Gives Hope. His Voice Gives Hope. Psalm 119, verse 49 says these words, Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. As your pastor today, let me clarify the hope that I'm talking about. Let me help you to understand that a little bit better of where I'm coming from and what I'm talking about. Just because we, we, we put our faith and our trust and our hope in God, <clears throat> that does not mean that all of our problems are going to go away. <laughs> doesn't mean that at all. That's not what's going to happen. No, there still will be really tough times for us to deal with in this life. Oh, come on, pastor, be more positive. Okay, I'm positive there's still going to be really tough times in your life, no matter what. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That's what he says. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Today, there is a steady stream of news coming across America of death, of murder, mass murder, school shootings and the like. And typically, after, after saying something like that, somebody from society would probably want to knock on my door or say, hey, 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 come on, stay positive. Keep hoping. Hope for the best is what they would say. And actually, actually, I, I take issue with society's approach to the definition of hope. What I mean by that is this. How does having hope, express, uh, expressing hope forsake uh, excuse me, let's start that again. How does having hope, expressing hope for the sake of hope, get me out of the place of feeling completely overwhelmed and dismayed? How does mere hope do that for you and I? How does that happen? Honestly, what did hope ever do for you really? How did hope ever help you really in your life? Hope in hope is no hope at all. If all you're doing is hoping in hope, you're not going to have anything change in your life. That's all that you're going to get. You see, because hope has no mystical powers. Hope has no, uh, is not paranormal. Hope is not supernatural. Hey, even being positive, even being posi positive is, is not magical either. It has no element of power to aid or to help you in your time of struggle. So the problem with hope is, why hope? Why would we hope? Society's hope is, is uh, society's hope in hope is as useless as making a wish. The top three ways that people make a wish that's supposed to bring something to come to pass, that's supposed to come to true, number three is what they do, and most people do, I've found this out on, on the internet, and this is accurate because the internet told me to do this. Uh, number three is they toss a coin in a wishing well. Number two would be is that they cross their fingers and they hope like crazy it's going to come to pass. And number three, or actually number one, wait for it, wait for it, you blow out all the candles on your birthday cake. Then your wish will come true. That's what they say. And church, if we're not careful, we can take this all-important essential element of existence, this thing called hope, and only turn it into a mere birthday wish. The psalmist says, Psalm 119, 49, he says, remember your word to your servant for you have given me hope. You have given me hope. Hope is only as powerful as to which it is connected to. 
I have three points today. I want to deal with three points this morning on hope that works. I want to talk to you about hope that works. Number one, point number one. Does your soul have an, does your soul have an anchor? Does your soul have an anchor? Hebrews, go with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Here's what Jesus, uh, here's what the writer says, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. Let's stop there. The Bible tells us is that we have this hope. We have this, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Jesus is, just so you know, the hope of the world. He truly is. I said a moment ago in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus did say that in this world you're going to have trouble. So let me ask you a question. We're going to have trouble. He said that. So my question to you today is, have you ever experienced desperate days? Have you ever experienced in your life desperate days? Because when they come, man, they hit you like a ton of bricks. When all of a sudden you're facing a desperate day, everything changes in your life. It's when you get that in the middle of the night phone call, a text message, a knock on the door, and there's a police officer on the other side of the door. And almost immediately, almost immediately, hopelessness overwhelms us in those moments. For Marianne and I, we got a phone call at 12.15 a.m. on September 4th, 2016. Our oldest son, Jeremy, at 40 years old, is not breathing and he has no pulse. It was one of those hopeless nights. Hopelessness is paralyzing. I believe hopelessness is a silent killer of people, of marriage, of family, and of friends. So, uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I believe a soul, a heart being sick is the worst kind of disease that you could ever have. It's when, it's when you become emotionally, mentally, physically, even spiritually, inches from, I'm done. I can't take much more of this. I'm done. A soul that is sick is it's where, uh, where you are inches from one more heartbreak, one more tragedy, one more cancer report, one more level of depression that I must go through. I think it just might wipe me out. A hope that is deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. It just might wipe me out. So what's the answer? What is the answer that can turn my life around, that can cause me to stand again, that would stabilize my life, that would get you through to the other side of what you're dealing with in that particular desperate day, that day that you're living in that right now seems to be desperate for you? I believe the answer comes through a question. Does your soul have an anchor? Does your soul have an anchor? You see, the Bible tells us that we need an anchor for our souls. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, I read it to you a moment ago, but he, uh, the writer says, we have this hope. We have this hope. What is hope? What is hope? Well, hope is a, a confident expectation hooked into something that is solid. Hooked into something that is solid. The hope that I'm talking about is way more, hey man, it's going to get better. It's going to be okay. We'll get to the other side of this. It's deeper than that. It's much, much deeper than that. The hope that the Bible talks about is something like this. I'm confident. I am confident, fully expecting that this is real. It is rock solid. It is real. I have a hope. 
What is a soul? What is a soul? A soul in the both Old Testament and New Testament defined the soul as being our mind, our will, our emotions, and our heart. Our heart. If you ever, if you, are, if you are anything like me, when desperate days hit, your mind, your emotions, your heart, it seems to have a tendency to drift in really dark places. We begin to think certain thoughts. We begin to be overwhelmed by whatever those things are that are happening at that moment. And just as a boat drifts during a raging storm that is on sea, the Bible says our soul needs an anchor. Our soul needs an anchor. Again, your soul being likened to that boat on the high seas that is tethered to the anchor, tethered to the anchor. What your anchor does for you is that it keeps you from drifting. What your anchor does for you is that it keeps you from tipping. It keeps you from sinking. An anchor is an agent of stability. An anchor is an agent of security and steadiness. And when you tether yourself to the anchor, even though the elements may be unpredictable, even though the circumstances seem to be overwhelming in this dark day that you're living in, in this dark time that you're dealing with, whether it's today or five years from now, what that, though the circumstances seem to be overwhelming, you firmly remain tethered to that anchor. You remain tethered to that anchor, that confident expectation that is hooked into something that is, that is steadfast, that is sure, and that is solid. You stick to that anchor. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause for that truth. We trust you, God. We trust you, God. Again, I ask you, does your soul have an anchor? Point number two of hope that works, point number two is Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. John chapter 14, verse six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We'll stop there because I'm gonna read it again in a few moments. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, my friend, you may not know this, you may not understand this yet, but don't give up on Jesus. Do not give up on Jesus. He is, one who, he is the one who's going to get you to the other side because Jesus is enough. In 2 Thessalonians chapter Chapter two, listen to this. The apostle Paul says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and in his grace gave us an unfailing courage and a firm hope encourage you and strengthen you to always do and say what is good. We find in, in Romans, I believe it is, Romans chapter 15, verse 13, may God, the source of hope, fill you with all joy and peace by means of your faith in him so that your hope so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit, that your hope would grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. He is the anchor for our soul. And his voice, when we hear him, when he speaks to us, he gives us hope. As we look back over 2,000 years, there were scores and scores of people, young and old alike, who would put their faith in Jesus. And for good reason they would do that. When Jesus would preach, he would preach a powerful, life-changing message that would bring to the people who were hearing him, it would bring to them life, and it would bring to them hope, and it would bring to them expectancy. They would hear about a truth and a reality of God that they've never heard before. When Jesus would begin to speak, when he would give life, when he was giving us hope, as he would speak, he would give life. It was something they never heard before. His voice would give them hope as never before. Then to top all of that off, he would perform big time miracles. 
Jesus would do the impossible unlike any other time in human history. Literally, under Jesus' ministry, literally, literally, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk, and the dead would be brought back to life. Jesus is enough. No matter what you may be going through, Jesus is enough. Let me give you a quick example of the dead back to life. In Luke chapter 7, you don't need to turn to there. Um, Luke chapter 7, it's not in your notes. But um, in Luke chapter 7, Jesus is entering into the town of Nain. A large crowd is following Jesus as he's going along. And there was this funeral procession that was coming toward him, coming his way. And uh, it was a funeral of a young man who has died. Maybe he was even a teenager. We don't know for sure. But we do also know this about this young man. He was a widow's only son. A widow's only son. In Luke chapter 7, verse 13, it says that when the Lord saw her, the widow, he had compassion on her and said to her, Mother, don't weep. Do not weep. Mother, don't weep. Church, there's always hope when Jesus shows up. No matter where you are, this the Son of God, Jesus walks up, and all of a sudden, this woman who's lost her son, Jesus, the one, when he speaks, his voice gives us hope. Mother, don't what? Don't cry. Do not weep. Then Jesus went to the coffin, and the bearers of the coffin stopped. And the Bible tells us in verse 14, then he came and touched the open, uh, the open coffin. And those who had carried him stood still. And he, Jesus said, young man, I say to you, arise. I say to you, arise is what Jesus said to that person, to that young man. And the Bible tells us that immediately he got up. We find here in uh, verse 15, so he who was dead sat up and began to speak and presented him to his mother. His voice gives us hope. My friend, whatever it is that you're facing in life, again, whether it's today or tomorrow, don't give up on Jesus because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. You can trust him. That true source of hope is Jesus himself. It is Jesus who is able to help you and I through. I've got so many notes up here, I've got to get myself in order again. The writer of Hebrews uses this incredible familiar metaphor with these, ancient Jew, uh, with these ancient Jews of the anchor. He talks about the anchor. Let's talk about it just for a moment. That anchor paints a, such a beautiful portrait of security and stability. And that's exactly what, what we can have with Jesus. That's exactly what you and I can have. We can have this hope as an anchor for our soul. And his name is Jesus. It's not, it's not a, a church. It's not a pastor. It's not a, an evangelist, whoever. It's Jesus who is that, that hope for us. So what... What would be your stability? What would be that stability, the constancy, the strength that anchors your soul? What is it that you turn to to make you feel more secure, that would make you to feel more hopeful that you're going to get through to the, others, to the other side? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of different answers out there, but let me just field a couple three. For some, uh, for some who feel anchored in their soul, the reason for that is because they're debt-free now. They've been able to get out of debt. No mortgage, good retirement coming my way. Basically, I'm feeling pretty good financially. I'm feeling pretty secure. Maybe someone would echo right behind that. Yeah, it's my job. 
It's the job that I have, my career that I'm in, the position in the company. I've got great pay. I've got great benefits, man. It really makes me feel secure. I feel like my soul is, is anchored because of all of that. And I get that, man. I really do. I applaud those who are able to be debt-free. It's a good thing to do. But if you were to study Dave Ramsey just a little bit, and I encourage you to do that, he's great with dealing with finances. He, has, he punches a couple holes in that thought, feeling that being debt-free makes you completely secure. And, and I just don't think that that's going to be the truth. Um, and, and maybe for others, others would, would sit back and, and uh, would think about the fact of, um, it, first let me say this, if you, if you read the book of Hebrews, the Bible teaches us, listen to this, listen to this, what does not have a soul cannot aid or help what does have a soul. Let me say that again. In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is saying something like this to us. What does not have a soul cannot aid or help what does have a soul. In other words, being debt-free, having a great job, having big paychecks coming your way, wonderful benefits, is not going to help you when you're discouraged and defeated down into your soul. That's not gonna help you. That's not gonna rescue you. Your mortgage-free house cannot relate, cannot relate to your depression and hurt and pain that is in your heart and soul right now over whatever, whatever may be taking place in your life. It just can't help you. So maybe others would go to a different level then. Maybe some would say, you know what? My rock, my stability, my, my, my strength, my constancy, my anchor is my lady. It is my lady. It is my woman. It is my woman. She's the one who is the anchor for my soul. Or maybe it would be turned around. Maybe the guy would say, my rock is, my, uh, the woman would say, my rock is my man. Yes, my husband. He's my rock. He's the one that makes me strong. He's the one that gets me through. My husband, he's good. He's faithful. He's my anchor. Maybe another person might say, you know what? It's my family. It is my little boy. It is my little girl. It's my family. That's my rock. That's what gets me through to the other side. And I just want to challenge that for a moment. Listen, I, I, what I think is with all that thought is that there are holes in thinking that someone else is going to be able to get you through to the other side. Coming from a man who in three months, in three months, I'm going to be married 45 years. 45 years to my high school sweetheart. My high school sweetheart, and you need to know the truth, she chased me since sixth grade. Sixth grade. And the second thing you know, need to know, and this is the truth as well, she kissed me first. And we were at like a senior dance or something, I don't know, and she came out and she laid one on me. She couldn't help it. That caused us to have four kids all married, and now today we have 15 grandchildren. God help us. 15 grandchildren. Listen, listen, listen carefully. Here's what I mean by holes in your family. Here's what I mean. And I say this in love. That soul in your husband, that soul in your wife, that soul in your kids and your grandkids, that soul is as broken as your soul. That soul is as broken as your soul. For all of us, if we would really be honest just for a moment, we argue. As, as husband and wife, you know, husband, all of these relationships, we, we argue with one another, we fight with one another, we disappoint each other on a fairly regular basis. And what we do as husband and wife is that we look to each other for the stability. As soon as I begin to get a little bit uptight or a little bit nervous, I know it bugs Marianne. I know that it really impacts her life in one way or another. So we look to one another so that we can get to that other side. But the truth of the matter is, as we look to each other for that stability, because of our own brokenness, we end up in a pit, and we're stuck, we're overwhelmed, and we need help, 
Because neither of us have the power or the ability to get out of that pit in and of our own strength. We need help in that. We need someone. We need something that is higher than I, that is higher than ourselves. Actually, we need somebody with a soul that is similar to our soul, but distinctively different because their soul is perfect. Their soul is flawless. Their soul is whole. Consequently, the master of that perfect soul has all the wherewithal, the ability, the ability to care of, uh, to take care of your broken soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your heart, because that perfect soul transcends our soul. That perfect soul is way beyond what we have because it transcends this life, which means that is, that, that is so filled with all kinds of pain, all kinds of hurt, all kinds of heartache. His soul, as we grab a hold of him, he's the only one that will take us through. And that is exactly why Marianne and I have chosen to follow Jesus our entire married life. We follow him because he is the only one that has ever gotten us out of that hole, out of that pit that has gotten us through to the other side, gotten us through. So let me drive home the point as I close off. To drive home this point that Jesus is enough, that none compare to Jesus, I want to share with you an incredible story. <clears throat> I've shared this many times in my years here, been here 26 years. But Jesus tells his disciples, he says this, he says in Matthew chapter 14, he says, guys, I want you to get in the boat and go to the other side because I got some prayer time to do. So of course they do, they do exactly what Jesus says. They get in the boat, the boat launches out and almost immediately, almost immediately, everything starts to go wrong. A huge storm brews at the, uh, a huge storm brews, lots of wind and waves and the disciples are terrified. It's like everything is out of control in their mind. It's way too far out to sea to turn back and go back to shore. So these disciples who are drifting out to sea for hours, somewhere around the 3 a.m. hour, the Bible tells us, like out of nowhere, like out of nowhere, Jesus who has all power to stop the wind and waves comes walking on the water, freaking out the disciples. And they're yelling, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. I mean, they were scared to death, those little girls, they were scared to death. And, uh, and uh, Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm thinking like the disciples now who are in the boat. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? So there's wind, there's waves. The boat is going crazy. We're drifting at sea. And now all of a sudden, what we think is a ghost that shows up and we're afraid. And you have the audacity to say to me, don't be afraid. What are you afraid of? Don't be afraid is what he says. These guys can't hardly believe it. And then, of course, Peter. Peter yells out to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, can I walk out to you? Can I walk out to you? And Jesus says, come. Come. And Peter does the incredible. Kudos to Peter for what he had done. Now, the truth of the matter is, the, the rest of the guys who are in the boat, of course, they've been acting like little girls because of waves and all that other thing, all those other things. And we also think about Peter walking on the water at this very same time. We, for whatever reason, we think that he's walking on smooth glass kind of water, like it's just nice and smooth. But the fact of the matter is, there's still the storm. There's white caps. It's not an easy walk. And then all of a sudden, the reality sets in on, on Peter. And he realizes what's going on. And then he starts screaming like a little girl himself. And Jesus saves him. Matthew chapter 14, the Bible says that Jesus grabbed Peter and pulled him back up onto the water again. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said these words. 
Why did you doubt me? Why did you doubt me? Jesus said. I can only imagine Peter thinking of thoughts for a moment there. Jesus, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're serious right now, aren't you? Now look around you. What do you mean? Why did I doubt you? Don't you see everything going on in my life at this particular moment? Don't you understand? And just so you know, just so you know, to the believer that's here today, to the believer that is here today, Jesus would ask you the same question. He would want me to say it for him. Why, why do you doubt me? Jesus would say to us as believers here in 2018, I guess that's the right year, 2018, why do you doubt me? You may respond back, my friend, and you may say something like this, I just lost my job. My company went bankrupt. My husband walked out on me last week. The doctor found another lump. Why do I doubt? What reasons do I have to doubt you, Jesus? Really? Isn't it obvious? Listen to me. Listen. Actually, Jesus is not asking a question here. He's making a statement. Whenever you look in the scriptures and Jesus begins to ask a question, he's not looking for an answer. He's not wanting you to answer him. He's, he's making a statement with the question that he makes. Why did you doubt? What reasons do you have to doubt me? I have a lot of reasons. But I'm always here. I'll never leave you. You can trust me. Actually, you need to know even something deeper than that. Jesus understands. He knows. He gets it. He fully understands that we don't get it every time. When we're going through and when things seem to be explosive, when it seems to be really desperate days, he gets it. He does. He understands that faith is not easy. And trusting God is very, very hard. Jesus understands completely. Sometimes the wind and the waves get so high that it causes people to doubt. And for our 70, 80, 90, however many of our guests that are with us today, here in this particular service who are guests of Kathy Napa, she invited you. Well, of course, John did too. But of our guests that are here today, I would be the first to say, at least in my household, Kathy's death knocked the wind out of all of us. It knocked the wind out of every one of us on that August 4th day. It's those things that happen that cause all of us to doubt. But in the midst of all of that, this has been a nightmare for this family and for their friends. This has been a nightmare. It's unbelievable. We, cannot, we don't understand it, God. In the midst of all of that, God still wants you to know while the shock is still present, the tears still flow, the broken heart is still unmended. God wants you to know today. He wants you to know, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Our son, Jeremy, died that night, about 3.30 in the morning, I should say. Before our very eyes, we saw him take his last breath. My God. And as I promise you today that God will take care of you, I can stand here to say as a father and a mother who lost their son, 
God has gotten us through. He's a good, good father. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight. But God was faithful to his, to his word, to his voice to us. I want to remind all of you that are here today who were at that memorial service on August 8th. There was something of the presence. By the way, just so you know, these four banks of seats were packed with people. Just so you know, these four seats. And this is about a tithe of tenth of all that were there. But there was something, there was something of the presence of God in this room. Something happened. You who were here heard God's voice speak to you in that time. He said this, he said that, he used me, he used that, he used some of the speakers who shared some of the stories. God spoke to you. And the overwhelming response that happened that day, I, I estimated six to 700 people easily were in this room. And uh, as, as, as the overwhelming response, the people who said, I want to make my dash count. Remember I said, lift up your heads and let's have eye contact if you want to make your dash count, if you want to give your life over to God or begin to follow God or whatever I said. Um, um, the, the response was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. And then the fact that you're all here this is a God thing. Oh, I know you're making the decision. I know you drove here and all that other stuff. But this goes across the board. When God speaks to us and then there is a response, you can't help but say, I know that God is doing something in my life. He's doing something. It's a God thing. To every person who is in this worship center right now, there is so much more that God wants to do in you. So much more that he wants to do for you. So much more that he wants to do through you. But you have to pursue it. You have to pursue God. You have to find him. You have to be with him. You have to know him. You have to do that. I suggest to you, connect with the church. You want to make Word of Life your church? Great, but you don't have to. Connect with the church. Going to church doesn't get you to heaven. Being forgiven of your sin gets you to heaven. Come on, give me an amen. So... <clears throat> We're not trying to get anybody to come to our church. There's great churches around here in central New York, but I'm just encouraging you. You've got to pursue God, and going to church is one of those things. So step number one, does your soul have an anchor? Step number two, is Jesus is enough. And step number three, number three, a hope that works is this. Why not decide today? Why not decide today? Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us these words. This is tremendous go-to chapter and verse the prophet speaks to us. God is speaking and he says these words, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Jesus said with his own lips in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. He doesn't come to weigh us down. He doesn't come to con condemn us. He's not mad at us. He's not angry with anything we've done in the past. His love for you and me, it's unconditional. It blows my mind. But his love for you and me is unconditional, meaning no matter what we do, he's going to love us. And there's nothing you could do to make him love you more. His love for you is total and is complete. The scriptures are clear. His love never changes. For some who are here today with all that you're facing, all that you're going through, and not just about Kathy either, not just about her, but life in general, I'm telling you, you can trust God. His voice speaking to you will give you hope as he speaks to you, and he'll give you life to the fullest. And just so you know, I conclude. 
John's gospel tells us this, that, that when Jesus got into the boat, this is supernatural, this is stinking cool too. When Jesus got into the boat, immediately the Bible says, immediately the storm, the wind stopped. It stopped when he got, he put his foot in the boat and boom, no more wind, no more waves. Immediately it stopped. Then the second thing that happened immediately, this is supernatural, but the boat was, the boat uh, was at land in Capernaum, which is where they were going originally. They were going to Capernaum. And the Bible tells us the wind stopped and when Jesus got his bearings back on again, he's in the boat, they're at Capernaum. It was something supernatural. It was something that God did. It's crazy, I know. Listen, listen, his voice gives you hope. If you would let Jesus in your boat, let Jesus in your life, everything in your life is gonna change for the better, for the good, in every area of your life. Everything that you would want, everything that you would do, it will, it will change for the better. The path that has seemed so long and grueling, now somehow you've arrived miraculously you're here. Marianne and I, we're just a few more days. It's going to be our two-year anniversary of our son's loss. And we're trying to get through these days. It's difficult. It's hard. You would understand that. And many of you have experienced that. And all I'm saying is, right now the path seems so long, but all of a sudden you're going to get there. And you're going to be okay. You've made it. You're where you've wanted to be ever since all of this has come on you. Because God will see you through. Whatever you do, do not give up on God. Stay connected to God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father but by me. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul that's firm and secure. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? This is a private moment. I'm gonna ask, please, no walking around. Just a couple of minutes, we're gonna let you out of here. We're gonna sing one more song. If I could have our intercessors make your way down front, I'd appreciate it. We're going to have people who are going to be stationed down here in front for anybody during our last song. If you have a, a need in your life, no matter what, it may, it may be a health issue, a marriage, we don't want to know any details. We're not, we're not, we don't want that. But we would want to pray for you. These people have been in another room praying for this whole service that God would touch you and move in you and meet every need. So these people are ready to pray for you. So when the song begins here in just a moment, you get up out of your seat and you come down front and let us, let these intercessors pray for you. And it's, God is going to meet you in a wonderful way. I challenge you with that. So I'm not sure those of you who came here today, whether first time, second, or third time, however it may be for you, <clears throat> I'm not sure what you think about God. I'm not sure what you think about the Bible. <clears throat> I'm not sure what you think about church. And first of all, I want to say to you, thank you for being here today, and I'm so glad that you came. But all I can say to you, my friend, is that at 16 years old, my whole life was changed when I went to a Roman Catholic church, and all of a sudden, I met God in a way like I'd never imagined changed everything for my life. I was born again. My life changed. I've never been the same since, and I mean that for the good. Coming to know God is only something you can do. God has done his part. He sent his son Jesus into this world to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. And now the Bible says we need to believe that. And if you're willing to believe that, we just want to simply pray for you. I'm not going to ask anybody to get up and come down here, down the front, but with heads bowed and eyes closed for privacy, please. If you're here today and you would like me to include you in my prayer for those who are making a decision for Christ, again, we're not going to ask you to sign anything. We're not, you don't have to come back to this church, all of that stuff. I want safeguards I want you to have. I want to pray for you. So if that's you with heads down, eyes closed, would you just hold up a hand? I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Give me your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to my right. 
Heavenly Father, for those of us who are here today with our hands raised, and more than likely the scores who have in their own hearts that God, I do want to connect with you. I do want to have a trust in you. I pray, God, that you would make yourself known. A simple prayer that you would ever have to pray is something like this. Jesus, I believe. I believe that you went to the cross for me. I believe you forgave me of my sins. Become the Lord and the leader of my life. Help me through, God. Jesus, I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. To connect with our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org connect. We'd love to have you join us for one of our services. Our service times are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For more information on our church, head over to wordoflifeag.org. Thanks for joining us.